a podcast to honor the gods. This better come with a sacrifice. Dave's X Media. You see the problem, said Lupin. While the ministry insists there is nothing to fear from Voldemort, it's hard to convince people he's back, especially as they don't really want to believe it in the first place. What's more, the ministry's leaning heavily on the Daily Prophet not to report any of what they're calling Dumbledore's rumor-mongering. So most of the wizarding community are completely unaware anything's happened, and that makes them easy targets for the Death Eaters if they're using the Imperious Curse. And I just need y'all to know that I pronounced Dumbledore's rumor-mongering correct on the first try. Welcome to the Restricted section where the Harry Potter series gets a little bit shittier every single week. If you haven't done the reading, don't worry, we did it for you. Here's what we're talking about this week. Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, Chapter 5, The Order of the Phoenix. Have you heard of it? It's dinner time at Grimald Place and only a mere 100 pages into the book. And Harry is finally getting some answers and compassion. Dare I say a little... Too much compassion? Welcome to the restricted section where we all want to be Harry Potter's most loving caregiver. Just kidding. I'd be a terrible influence. My co-host today is my extremely irresponsible godfather, Mary Clay. Say hello to the listeners, Mary Clay. Hello to the listeners, Mary Clay. And I'm very excited because our special guest today is Dan DeShetler, one of my good college buddies and uh, a cool Harry Potter guy. Say hello to the listeners, Dan. Hello, I'm also here. You may remember Dan, the dulcet tones, from <laughs> Chamber of Secrets Chapter 4 at Flourish in Bots, which was fucking August 2020. I think it was the first or second guest. Yes, you were the fourth. But if you're not counting people's parents and husbands, you were the first. Hey. What, is it really called Flourish and Bots? No, it's Flourish and Blots. I probably said oh, it wrong. Oh, okay. I <laughs> thought I was just reading it wrong this entire time. No, no, no. Well, <laughs> at least that's how it's written down here. I don't fucking know. These are my notes. And then Dan also came on for The Prisoner of Azkaban, Chapter 20, The Dementor's Kiss, which he just reminded me is a three-page chapter, apparently. Yeah, that was a fun one. <laughs> it made the research early, <laughs> the early research pretty fun. Yeah, and Dan, also you, uh, I think we're at that party down in Norfolk when um, our friends threw the couch onto the fire and we all had to run for our lives. Do you remember that this one? Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Good okay. So you've been around for a lot of cool stuff through the ages. <laughs> I try. <laughs> I'm just there. Some of it documented on the podcast, some of it not documented on the podcast. <laughs> some we will never speak of again. <laughs> it's just so funny, like, because we were college drinking buddies at, like, a pretty ratchet school, and now you're a dad, and I'm a and I'm a podcaster. And <laughs> you say that like those are the same <laughs> things. We all have our babies. I love it when people compare kids to podcasts. Happens more often than you think. 
<laughs> um, I'm also a cat mom, so like, uh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. get it. I <laughs> we, get it. <laughs> we got that from my friend last week. They're like talking about training their dog, and he's like, it's kind of like having a kid. No, no. Dogs are know. so much easier to train than children. I stand by this statement that puppies are harder than newborns. Yes, absolutely. Because, because newborns, at least, when they pee and poop themselves, they're in a diaper. The mess is contained. And if you put them down, they're going to stay there. Yeah. I think the same weird... cannot be said for a puppy. Right. There's a weird graph where the puppy is harder and then they invert at a certain point. Yes, yeah, they, of course. They definitely change it. I think baby at about nine up. years old when the dog mellows out a little bit. <laughs> I was going to say like maybe three months later when maybe not nine years later, but yeah. Dan, how have you been for the past 16 months since you were on <laughs> for the prisoner months. of Azkaban? I think that was my entire wife's pregnancy and birth. And I was for- like, that is a really long pregnancy. <laughs> no, I, I don't think we knew that we were pregnant at that time, but I have a second kid now. Her name is Congrats, Penelope. you're really leveling up. I'm trying. It- when the time comes for them to flank you in battle, you'll be so ready. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've called it off. We're done with two. I think two is okay, a good number. That's solid. It is a really good number. Can't yeah. recommend one because, well, you guys have met Haley and Andrew. Can't recommend the one kid path, but two's pretty solid. We were so nervous because uh, we're like, oh, you know, he's having all this attention from us. We're not really sure how it's going to go with the new sibling. He loves it. He he wakes up Aww. every morning. He's the first to hear her, like, fuss in the morning and runs into the door, slams open the door, and just goes by her side. And it's just the sweetest thing. That is very cute. My cats don't do that. <laughs> um, they try so to I guess you got one on me. <laughs> it's true. So, wow. Since, uh, well, in case you were wondering, Dan, not that I don't talk to you like almost every day, but uh, since uh, since the last time I saw you, which, as I said, was what, August of 2000? No, it was 16 months ago. Um, we've covered the entirety of the Goblet of Fire, and now we're on <laughs> this. The best book, right, everyone? The greatest this, book. This is the fourth chapter in a row that I think, frankly, could have done without. I don't yeah. know. No, I, I think this one, we could have edited it down to like half of it. Because I think it had yeah. some good points of like, here's the order. This is what's the plan. But like, there's a lot that you could have. I think it's really important of setting up like where Sirius is, where Dumbledore is. I mean, like mentally, emotionally, whatever with the story, you know, not like physically, whatever. Anyway, I think that like setting up good information doesn't need to be, doesn't need to have like a chapter arc. You know what I mean? Like, and oh, go ahead. I think we, yeah, I was also going to say more, but that's okay, Christina. You can jump in. No, (laughs) no, you, no, you jump right in. Um, I think it's important for you can just cut out all of that if you want to save time, and I'll just move through the statement faster. (laughs) I don't know. We talk over each other a lot. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I'm I'm just trying to like. As someone who edits podcasts, I'm trying to like say this succinctly so that you can have it in like one nice little sound bite. Oh, I so, leave in all take the two. 
Oh, I think this chapter is important for setting up like where Sirius is, where Dumbledore is, like all of these relationships showing more. I mean, not that we already haven't seen a lot of Harry's frustrations so far, but like seeing more of that, seeing Ma- M- Mrs. Weasley's like fears and her hesitations coming yeah, she's through. She's in a bad place right now. Yeah. And we also we learn a lot of important information about the politics of the world right now, mm-hmm. which is um, really laying the foundation for which this shitstorm of Order of the Phoenix is going to build upon, you know? And I, and I don't say that necessarily being like, oh, this is the worst book, but like, it's just a very heavily, like politically motivated book. Yeah. What do you think, Dan? I, I, I kind of like this chapter, you know, it, it definitely establishes the power dynamics between Harry's parental figures of Molly and Sirius, which I enjoyed. Um, I had a note earlier I said, uh, we'll get to it, but it's like mommy and daddy fighting. Um, they were arguing <laughs> yep. back and forth of like, he can hear this stuff. No, he can't. Because Arthur does not engage his wife about <laughs> most things. He really saves it for yeah. when he needs it, which I get it. He just sits back, waits for his opportunity. He's like, <laughs> I'm, I know, I know how this goes for me. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna worry about it. Molly absolutely yes. wears the pants in that relationship. Of course, she's got to, she runs the household. Yeah. Can't run the household without wearing the pants. Are you joking me? Oh, yeah. Arthur knows his place. So I would have combined chapter one and two. I think chapter one was way too long and would have been cool if it had like ended with like the shenanigans with all the owls coming. And then you can combine chapters three, four, and five where they come to get Harry. They show up with Harry and they introduce him to a new scene, scenery. Yeah. And I think it could have been condensed a lot. Um, but I've had a great time recording about all of them with new friends and old. So no regrets. But, More episodes uh, for you to have. Yeah. <laughs> have you done the math? Have you taught it up how many chapters yep. there are? Yeah. Do you want me to tell you when our last episode will come out? Sure. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows epilogue chapter 19 years later will come out on March 19th, 2025. Wow, you have that all scheduled. I do. I am type A and I love a spreadsheet. Okay, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make some predictions for future okay. Mary Clay in twenty twenty five, okay? Okay. <laughs> I love this. I don't think you're gonna have bought a house, mm-hmm. but I do hope you go through with your dream of buying a lake house. So you can meet Keanu Reeves, but not really, you can only be his pen pal. <laughs> you're just stuffing letters in the box. Is that how? <laughs> I hope to God you are not still covering Lord of the Rings content. God forbid. <laughs> I hope your mental capacity is in a much better state and you can get a dog. Let's go kill Voldemort. <laughs> Let's go kill Voldemort. I like how if other people were like talking to themselves, what is that? Is that three years in the future? Three oh, it's only three years in the future. Forget everything I said. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not buying a house. I'm not buying a lake house within the next three years. Forget everything I said. I will probably still be in this apartment. Apartment. Okay, so With 2025, Mary Clay. I hope you are still in the same apartment because that means you haven't had to move and moving is a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. And I hope that you have like a million more nieces and nephews because they're so much Aww, fun. Oh, that's cute. I just got my first nibbling. 
<gasps> I just caught one. You just caught one? Sean's, Sean's sister had her baby recently, and I'm very excited. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'm an it's auntie. So fun. It's I was so always, fun. I was always destined to be an aunt. I'm not going to have no babies in my family, but I'm not pushing same, one out. Same, same. <laughs> um, and I do want to be extremely clear that after, you know, just don't want anyone to start stressing after March 19th, 2025, I do have like a series of bonus episodes planned. Like we'll cover the films, obviously. We'll do some wind down stuff and we're going to do some like overarching stuff like sexism in Harry Potter, substance abuse in Harry Potter, some big topics like that. And there's one episode that I wrote down just Harry Potter, good or bad. So I guess we'll do that as well. <laughs> bad, terrible. We <laughs> talked about it for over five years. <laughs> three years feels like so long ago until you realize three years ago was pre-pandemic. And it feels like a lifetime. Of stuff yeah, like I didn't that. have a podcast three years ago. I did. I didn't have kids or a house. You would probably guess it on my podcast. I, guess, by I was that gonna point. say, yeah. I guess, I guess, three years ago, I was guesting on Tolkien about and being like, nice. it doesn't Planted seem that hard to talk seeds. about nerdy shit." And then I was like, "Mary Clay, I feel like I'm stealing your brilliant idea by wanting to do this Harry Potter." And podcast. I was like, "Um, doing it." I was like, first of all, doing a podcast where you experience something for the first time is not a new idea. That's not something I came up with. It's also not something Mike Schubert came up with." <laughs> And that's true. And doing a Harry Potter podcast is not something I invented it. I was the first person <laughs> that... to ever do a Harry Potter podcast started 2020. <laughs> Would you look at that? Like doing a podcast based off of like very popular fantasy series is not a new concept. <laughs> you kind of built a network around it. <laughs> the thing is that like I never listened to any Harry Potter podcasts. So I didn't know that there were probably like 150 Harry Potter podcasts when I started mine, but there are, and they're all yeah. on a spreadsheet yeah. that I have so I can keep track of them. <laughs> You're keeping track of your rivals? If you, They're not my rivals. They're my collaborators. You yes, may notice that That's, I invite them all on my yeah. podcast, but I have to track them. So if you're listening and you have a Harry Potter podcast, you could DM me. Make sure you're on my tracker. Keep your friends close and your enemies closer. <laughs> That's true, go. but they are just collaborators. No, they are they friends. Really collaborators and friends. <laughs> Fun fact, a Harry Potter podcast was like my first podcast. It was, um, it, no, it was a uh, muggle cast. Oh, nice. Uh, which was the podcast the that the muggle net mm -hmm. crew would host. Yeah. I've heard a lot of good things about that show. Um, and like, I mean, I don't, I don't listen to it anymore, but it was like, I don't know. I, they, they were, I, I thought they were fucking hilarious. And like, I was Did you like, say they were your first podcast. Yeah, so like that's that's like what in introduced me to the idea of like what a podcast is. That's cool. Dan, do you remember your first podcast? I think I was a basic bitch and it was serial. Oh Woo! nice. Oh, which by <laughs> the way I want I need to re-listen. Yeah, I wanna listen and listen then with the new episode. No. Well actually Well actually sorry, for some maternity leave, so you gotta be the one to say, Well actually. Yeah, so first of all, we are we, the podcasting community, who represent Adnan Sayed. <laughs> no, please not. It was just the way that I started that statement made it sound like I was saying it so officially. Yeah, Adnan Sayed, who was famous, infamously the like subject of Serial, for those that don't know, was um, recently released, acquitted. Is, uh, acqu acquitted. is acquitted the right His word? His conviction was thrown out. 
is okay, the official that's lawyers. terminology. We're all lawyers. Yes. Um, however, I am going to recommend listening to the podcast Undisclosed. Over cereal. It, I don't know. I think it covers more of of Adnan's case rather than like re-listening to Serial. Maybe listen to this other story because I think it covered it in nice. a more extensive way. Is that oh, Rabia's? From people in his community, I think is what I understand from it. So anyway, that's, that's just cool. a throwing it out there. Yeah, I guess this is a Serial fan podcast now or a, a, an Adnan Sayan yeah. podcast discourse podcast where we review podcasts about that specific criminal case um if either of you have watched only murders in the building of course steve martin is my honey i have made the joke with uh ethan edgehill that um there should be a podcast about only murders in the building called only podcasts in the building <laughs> or I so, I don't know, something like that <laughs> and that's trademarked you can't use that guys that's already trademarked that's a good one Mary Clay, what, only podcast in the it. building <laughs> yeah you need to run with that come on Don't and it was like a podcast a podcast about a show that parodies fans of true crime podcasts <laughs> like <laughs> it's just like layers Love upon it. layers <laughs> that's all my wife consumes is true crime podcasts that's a big thing I did for a while, and then I realized it was kind of affecting my mental health, so I tapped yeah. out. I've also recently, I've been thinking a lot more critically about true crime lately, and um, how people, the people or the creators or the documentaries or whatever that I watch, and paying attention to, like, does it seem like they're talking about this story in a respectful way? Does it seem like they're covering all their bases and sharing, and they're not, you know, sympathizing with the perpetrators or anything or are they just like exploiting this case for yeah. views and yeah. listens and stuff so I've like I personally have just been trying to be a lot more critical about that that being said I am actively watching like four docuseries at once so <laughs> well we're here to take advantage of Harry Potter and his trauma porn um, yes. just to get us a little bit back on, on topic <laughs> So we're talking today about chapter five of Order of the Phoenix. Title of the chapter? Order of the Phoenix. She said the name of the book. She said the name of the book. (laughs) Most of the Order of the Phoenix isn't even here. It's mostly just dinner with the fam. Yeah. But that's fine. Why? Why? I guess. Why call it that? I guess because the Order of the Phoenix is in the house. (laughs) Briefly. And then they leave. I don't know. Briefly in this chapter, I don't. I think this is one. also the earliest in the books that we have the title drop. Uh, yeah, because the Goblet of Fire chapter is fucking two hundred pages. <laughs> and also, I don't think there is a title called The Prisoner of Azkaban. I don't think so either. But there is the Chamber of Secrets. Is a chapter of Chamber of Secrets. I'm pro- I'm going to refer to my master schedule from whence I just pulled Dan's recording days. There is a Half Blood Prince chapter, and there is a Deathly Hollows chapter. Okay, so sh- it's sh- just sh- prisoner. Okay, you can cut the hollows out. <laughs> there is a chapter called the Chamber of Secrets in the Chamber of Secrets. It'd be wild if it was in the first book. Listen up. There's going to be a chamber eventually. Hence foreshadowing. Just you wait. Just you wait. (laughs) I've been listening to Harry Potter and the Boys, which is a podcast where Radio Mike reads a Harry Potter fan fiction that he wrote when he was in seventh grade. And it's actually like incredibly hilarious. Um, It's a very funny podcast. And he's been on the show before. 
So, um, but there's he's reading his fan fiction that he wrote when he was 12. So there's a lot of like, you better take a note of that, dear reader, because that's going to come up again someday. And then like, no, maybe it won't. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a great storytelling mechanism. So we pick, off, pick up in the Order of the Phoenix chapter, book, and house where we left off in the last chapter. Sirius Black just said, the chapters in this book and in no other book really yet, I, I keep having to like very like explain the last couple paragraphs of the last chapter. Like, mm-hmm. like this one starts in the middle of what I would consider to be like a dialogue exchange pair. Yeah. Right? It's like split the pair. So at the end of the last sent- uh, chapter, Sirius says, well, Harry, I see you've met my mother. Uh, the screaming, scary portrait. It's just a dramatic entrance for Sirius. A dramatic entrance for Sirius and his mom. <laughs> True. There's some generational trauma there, yes. Harry's like, what? That's your mom? Why is your mom in a picture screaming racial slurs in this random house? I assume someone would respond. That's why I turned around. And said, oh, yeah. I was, no, it's, it I'm sounded just looking like for you my were... bottle opener. <laughs> you <it>. stopped. <laughs> like your inflection was still going up. Oh, sorry. I tried to give a pretty Here, serious Here, I'll jump in. Clue. And then Sirius goes, yeah, it's almost like my mother was a huge racist. <laughs> no, it's cool. I got my bottle opener. Now my beer's I open, want you to leave that going. long pause in unedited. <laughs> Oh. Editing a dead silence makes it less funny. You gotta it's... leave it pure, unadulterated yep. dead silence. Just leave the room noise and everything. They have been trying to get these screaming racist portraits down, but apparently Mrs. Black, Madam Black, I think the text calls her Mrs. Black. Um, apparently she put a permanent sticking charm on the canvas, which is a useful charm for when you need something to stick permanently a super glue charm if you will it is a super glue <laughs> charm <laughs> i love it <laughs> super glubious there has to be some hijinks the fact that harry didn't use a spell like that during combat like i'm just imagining all the combat use of a permanent sticking spell yeah oh, like point it at stick- someone's feet and yeah. then they're and then just run away exactly. <laughs> it's much more useful than expelliarmus you expelliarmus them they don't have their wand you stick their feet to the ground they're useless <laughs> My first instinct was to put a permanent sticking charm on their butt cheeks, and then they'll be like, what is going on with my butt cheeks? I they can't, can't fight poop like anymore. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> the one thing Voldemort had going for him is his ability to poop, and now that's been taken away from him. It's fine. <laughs> he can just vanish his poop. What if that's how Harry destroyed Voldemort is from wi- from within, there you if go. you will? <laughs> 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 that's no better or worse than theorizing that Ant-Man should shrink down and go up Thanos' ass. <laughs> the same thing. Why didn't Harry Potter just super permanent sticking charm <laughs> the words butt cheeks together so he couldn't poop and then he just filled up with shit and died? He'd probably have Wormtail just poop for him. <laughs> I don't know if that works. I don't think you I don't think that would work. Mm-hmm. There's a precedent for poop vanishing, I swear. There's a precedent uh, in But tech. I think it has to be out of the body. I don't think mm. you can do that from within. It's not technically poop until you poop it. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> <That's laughs> dramatic when it's inside your body. It oh, my God. When it 
oh my god, I have to stop this conversation. Um, yeah, what happens? Yeah, all the pictures are stuck. Yes, and he's like, why is your mom here, Sirius? And Sirius is like, oh, this is my house. Guess what? I'm in a bad mood, and you didn't make me happy to see you, so I'm gonna keep being grumpy. Let's go into this grumpy basement <sighs> kitchen. Thanks. It's like, it's so comforting to see Sirius again, because it's like, oh my gosh, he's our... He's our godfather. He's our, you know, surrogate dad in this book. And we're just so relieved to see him because he's like a comforting character, a comf- comforting person to Harry. And then, like, he's just a terrible person. But then he also does some, I think, really great things for sticking up for Harry in this chapter, too. And it's just like, He's you can just tell he's not an emotionally balanced person yeah, at all. He's a he's a bad guardian in this. For sure. The whole rest of the book, he's a bad guardian the whole yeah. time. No, he's great. He's just trying his okay. best. Sorry. No. See, my thing is like I just I I feel like I can't disparage Sirius's name because his story ends so that's, tragically. That's what we're mm-hmm. here to do though is is to I call just, out what's wrong. I know and but it, it pains me because it just makes me so sad. And later in the book, no, later in the chapter, Sirius is acting like such a brat honestly. He's yeah. like, "Well, what if I want to be best friends with my much younger godson?" Like, what if I do <laughs> think he's like his dad? <laughs> like, how dare you Give him food, shelter, and love, and hugs, and food. He's a cool kid. And then I was reflecting about how long Harry had known Sirius at this point. You know, it's got to only be... Two years. No, a year yeah, and a half. not that long. So it's a quick bond. Honestly, like tw- like 14 months. Yeah. It's a very quick bond that they formed. And I guess Sirius is making up for lost time that he had. Yeah, in the last book... Sirius does like kind of stick his neck out for Harry. He's like in hiding and then he like comes closer to like kind of protect Harry in the Goblet of Fire. And that's a situation in which like Harry's in like a strange pickle and like there's not much opportunity for Sirius to like do anything other than be a dog in the hills. You know what I mean? I've never heard that phrase. Yeah, I'm unfamiliar with that. terminology he's a, he's or a dog was that just literally a dog he's literally do you mean literally he's a literally a dog in the hills outside hogsmeade he's oh, literally just I doing thought that this for was a whole like year some, like country folksism kind of thing. yeah a beautiful scottish euphemism no he's a dog and he's in the <laughs> hills i think he was in a cave <laughs> yeah but they're in the hill i swear to god they have to climb up to get there i'm not joking he's it's in a the mountain hills. Look it up. he's in the hills he's I'm in the piedmont I really don't want to fight you on this. Um, no, I, I I, we're not going back for that. <laughs> his behavior is also, I think the worst moment is when he asks, he says, so Harry, how was your summer? And Harry's like, fucking awful. What a, what a terrible question. How deaf could you be? And then Sirius is like, Sirius is like, I don't know. I think you had it pretty good. Yes. Like how, that's a bad guardian. That was not a good answer. You can say, you can say, Oh, like, I know that's like, it's really terrible what happened. I wish I could have been out and about like you are. I've been second. Like, you can acknowledge the feelings that you were feeling without downplaying what another person has been you through. Mean she would yeah. have to write some emotional maturity into a character. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he just, he can't have emotional maturity because he was in 
soul sucking prison. Right. For I guess that's his, extremely true. His his twenties. Yeah. And you to know? borrow from Haley, uh, he's just all about the drama. He just appreciates that there was he drama. He's all about the, the drama. But the the thing is that like he he can complain still to Harry if they're commiserating, but mm-hmm. Sirius is doing the dreaded one upman uh, yeah, yeah. situation. One upmanship. <laughs> um he's trying to one up his godson's trauma and like that's extremely inappropriate. But it's okay to be like, oh wow, I'm having a similar trauma. Like we- I would love to talk about it. But he's like, you should shut the fuck up because that would have been really cool for me to get chased by scary monsters. So maybe you should be grateful. <laughs> yeah. It's bonkers. It's cuckoo bananas. Okay, so no one is being awesome here because Mrs. Weasley is being a shrieking nag, which we like don't love that for her. No, she's being a very overprotective mother. It's a, dep- I think that the narrative is treating oh, her like yes. she's out 100%. of line. Yeah. Yes. I speak for the narrative. She's a shrieking nag. She does. She goes all caps in this chapter. She is the, she's the fun sucker. Because every single other adult in this house puts her in that position. Yeah, and definitely when you're reading True. it as a kid, you're like, man, why won't she just let Harry be? It's definitely, you know, one of those points that emphasizes that the audience originally for this stuff was kids of having, uh, you know, one of those mom characters never lets you have any fun. Me personally, when Molly's like, oh my God, he's a child. Like, don't tell him anything. Like, I think you should tell children stuff personally. But when they're fighting about, when Sirius and Molly are fighting about like who loves Harry more, that pisses me off because like Molly has done everything for this child. And she says in this chapter, well, maybe we're skipping ahead, but she says he's like my own. And it's like, that's really true. And you have to respect that Sirius, frankly. But then she says, who else does he have? That's okay. You're right. Okay. So we're getting ahead. We're getting ahead. Okay, all right. Let's, let's back up. Let's back up right. to all the you're fun. Right you that. know what? Let's go to the fun shenanigans <laughs> because there are some fun shenanigans in this chapter. Yeah. Fred and George uh, magic the food to the Love table it. and send oh it crashing down. That's what I was flipping back through the chapter because I was like, I think that's when she goes all caps when she's yelling at Fred and George yeah. because they magicked everything up into the air and it spilled everywhere and a knife almost impaled Sirius. <laughs> and we're skipping over Mundungus Flesher's introduction too. Oh yeah. yeah. Right. He just uh, is sitting off in the corner. He's described as a pile of rags, which is great. I love it. <laughs> He's such a Danny DeVito. I can't not picture Danny DeVito in this <laughs> oh role. My God. And then he whips out a pipe and starts like smoking illicit <laughs> substances. I'm the trash man. <laughs> man, can you not smoke in the enclosed basement where my children hang right, out? Or at least use a filter. There's got to be some magic filter for your <laughs> wizard weed. Yeah, he puts it away and it specifically says that it still stinks. So, like burn socks, which, ugh, nasty. Ugh. Mary Clay, what are you drinking? Um, This is a brand of hard seltzer called Press. Oh, your bottle, had, your can looked cool. That's why I asked. I'd like seen it be recommended because it's a very, I don't know. I like, it's not my favorite, but I think a lot of other people would like it because okay. I, I prefer truly to White Claw, 
Which, if you're a seltzer person, that means a lot. <laughs> no, I don't agree because I love every seltzer and I drink them all the time and I like them both the same. So if I'm at a party and I want a seltzer and there's only a White Claw, I will still get a White Claw, of course. But if there's a Truly and a White Claw, I will get a mm. Truly. But anyway, yeah, I got this um, and it's also a... Um, I believe it's a woman-owned company. So nice, we love women here. I'm like holding this up to the camera, like I'm an influencer, but this <laughs> yes. is a it's podcast. Um, so no one's gonna see it. What do you think? What is the taste difference between White Claw and Truly? Like, why is um, Truly? I think superior? Truly has a lot more flavor to it, and White Claw is just like fucking fruit. Flies. I was wondering what you were doing karate moves for this whole time. <laughs> Hey, Mary Clay, this actually isn't the first time you've interrupted my podcast because you were fighting a fly, and I'm going to need you, I'm gonna need you to keep your cool. <laughs> I even... Ha- I've tried everything for these damn fruit flies. They're getting crazy for and, me, too. And, like, I've, sc- I've scrubbed my trash can out with, like, vinegar and bleach and Clorox, like, two they're, separate times. They're nesting in your house. Do you have houseplants? Yes. Might no, but they, they originate from my trash can because I open oh. my trash can and like a swarm of them come up every time. Ew, what? And so I outside. got fruit fly traps. I literally will like I, I will just watch them fly around the traps like they don't go inside them. I think this is a great opportunity to tell you and everyone that in my personal experience, a homemade Fruit fly trap is so much more effective. Okay. What do you one. put in your homemade? Because I have tried a few different versions of homemade as well, I which is why I bought out, one. I usually put out a glass of wine with a little bit of dish soap. And the dish soap, I think, makes them slippery and the wine makes them go in there. And then I cover it with saran wrap and poke holes in it with a fork. Okay. Try I'll it. Try that. Um. Danny DeVito, uh, trash Danny man. DeVito, trash man. Um, they, they, they sit down to eat. Um, they're like chatting. There's this. The whole rest of the chapter is just exposition. So, oh, Mrs. side note though, oh. I love the moment where Tonks is like, Molly's like, I need help doing oh, dinner, and Tonks yeah. is like, I'll help, and Molly's like, hey, you're I feel like good. That's, I feel like that's like when I offer my mother-in-law help in the kitchen, and she's like, Oh my god, no, just <laughs> yeah, sit down Christina, with your wine, sweetheart. How do you sweetheart. feel about the introduction of you into this book? <laughs> <laughs> I am not Tonks. You got big Tonks, and. Energy. You have I will huge tell you why. <laughs> I literally don't know what you were talking about. It really upsets me because I think she's obnoxious. Oh, no. I love her. I love Tonks. And here's also the other thing is I know I'm obnoxious, but it's hard to <laughs> it's hard to look at it. Actually, I do remember at one point you saying like, I don't like it when people say that I'm like Tonks because Tonks is loud and obnoxious. <laughs> she's and I was so just kind of like Hmm. Uh, I mean, I'm also like Tonks, but in that sense. There's always that theory of if you met someone who is exactly like you, would you like yourself? Would you fuck yourself? That's the version (laughs) I've heard. (laughs) But I don't know if I'd be friends with me. I would think that I was so annoying and domineering. There certainly, (laughs) certainly cannot be two of me i'm very adamant i would i would probably be like wow she's kind of a bitch (laughs) i think i would come off as like disingenuous a lot of times because i feel like people take my friendly energy as like faking it 
What? That's weird. I don't know. That's just a personal insecurity. Yo, fuck the naysayers because they don't mean a thing. (laughs) I think your friendliness is very genuine. I almost said genuine. Thank you. I try. So speaking of disingenuous, Mrs. Weasley is like trying to chat with Sirius, saying some like housekeeping things. She's like, this is what we have in common. And then the men (laughs) are talking about the goblins. Yeah. Lupin really talks. I I think. I might have something maybe you were thinking the same. I think it's it's Lupin and Bill and Mr. Weasley, yeah. I think, are talking about yes. the state of the goblins and like where they stand with possibly joining them, whether or not they'll join yeah. Voldemort. So Mr. Weasley says, Well, if Voldemort's gonna offer the freedoms that we've been denying them for centuries, they're going to be tempted. And I feel like this is an insufficient examination of this. It's issue. also like saying the quiet I, part aloud about the hierarchies that exist within the will- wizarding world. Like, I think yeah, up to this true. point, it's been strongly implied that, you know, human wizards are better than everyone else and have like a weird hierarchy. But this is, I think the first time they'd actually said out loud, like, Hey, we don't believe the goblins are full people and deserve full freedom. Yeah, and they do get into it, I guess, in, like, Deathly Hallows a little bit. But I just feel like, I don't know, talk about this issue more. It's it's kind of like Joanne is dropping. She's like, I got a poignant take. And she just, like, drops it. And she's like, and I'm done here. And, like, keeps keeps writing her 860-page book. <laughs> so after dinner, everyone is just hanging out and feeling fat. And then Sirius is like, well, damn, Harry, I thought you would be asking questions about Voldemort. Like, are you a punk bitch or something? Like, I thought you were, like, your dad. Pretty much. I'm, like, kind of not exaggerating. Harry kind of, like, jumps back with kind of, like, similar energy of, like, fuck you. I tried asking and everyone told me to shut up. (laughs) Yeah. And it's true. Go, Harry. And there's, like, a pause where he's, like, "Uh, what? Uh, what?" (laughs) It's, like, the Pikachu... Uh, the Pikachu shock face of like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then Mrs. Weasley immediately is like, don't tell Harry anything. And like, I don't, I don't like how the narrative views its women characters because she's being, she's being annoying right now. But like, you could have this same scene where, in which she's being like a caregiver and not just like a pain. This in the whole ass. chapter is not great for old Molly Weasley because She's reduced no, to bad. cooking and cleaning and doing all the housework. And they detail about how she's getting the house ready with Sirius. And then also she's just reduced to nagging. So it really kind of and nobody listens takes to her. her down. And she should be a... Well, she later evolves into a strong character um, and kind of saves the day. Uh, but at this point, it's pretty low for her. One thing I do think is really funny when we already talked about it, but when Molly is like, Arthur, back me up here. And he's just like gathering his thoughts for a couple seconds. And that's like, for sure, that's for sure a me and Sean move. Like, I'm like, Sean, what do you think? And he's like, I frankly was not paying attention. I like the illustration that they put in the book, too, of Arthur's just chilling there. He's had a bunch of rhubarb. He's had like good food. And he has his glasses off and then he takes it off, like puts them back on. It's like, hang on, business time. <laughs> Let me interject here. <laughs> he's like, he's really calculating his next move because he, mm-hmm. 
also knows that he's about to disagree with Molly. Like my opinion is right. Needed. Isn't this isn't this when he says, I think we should tell him some yeah. things? Tell him something, yeah. Lupin and Arthur are both like, well, we have to talk about it a little bit. I am just fully on Harry's side in this chapter because I'm like, I don't care what you guys th- if you guys think he's too young or like he fucking fought Voldemort to his face. He deserves he should know every piece of like every detail that is going on he should know i think that's true and i also think that beyond that he just like is owed the respect of getting the opportunity to ask like important adults in his life about what's happening to him you know like they should give him that grace like yeah we'll sit and listen to you but it's like everyone's already screaming but then it devolves into being like oh well if you're gonna tell me you might as well tell basically everyone in this building like Except for yeah. Jenny. Yeah, except I love Jenny. that she does not go out quietly and she <laughs> makes um, Mrs. Black's portrait wake up again. <laughs> Wait, we need to back up. Hold on. Before Jenny oh. marches out, I'm sorry, there's a detail. Molly says something shitty to Sirius. I didn't write it down. Sirius starts to stand up to like get in her face about it. And Lupus says, Sirius, sit down. And I would like to talk about Wolfstar. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Because Sirius sits down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he got a sit command from his master. Oh, my God. It, it's that base instinct of like, oh, yeah, I'm a dog. Sirius, sit. Now roll over. I do have to admit that I did watch Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 2 yesterday. So oh my I've, God. I've got hot dogs on the brain. <laughs> <laughs> what constitutes a hot dog to you, Christina? <laughs> Um, usually it's kind of meat Jacob. that goes in between a long <laughs> piece of bread. I'm hashtag team Jacob and hashtag team Wolfstar. <laughs> I just think that if here's the thing, when back in the day, day, our friend Danny introduced to me, what if Severus Snape was in love with James and not Lily? Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, if you transform your entire reading this still makes perfect sense yeah and that's what i love about wolfstar is because like the intimate relationship is there if you look for it and just in the little things the fact that they don't get much screen time means that you don't get to look into it that much yes makes sense do y'all have any notes about wolfstar (laughs) fully i am fully pro wolfstar pro wolfstar no, Official no, no further comments needed. <laughs> I've never read it through that interpretation before. I hadn't even heard of it. I was an innocent boy when I read these Harry Potter novels at first. It's Uh-oh. a newer thing for me, too, at least compared to my Harry Potter reading. First things first, if you can make it gayer, why not? So I'm a big fan of all of these readings. What if oh, it yeah. was gay? That's that's like the best the best question you can ask yourself, I think. It's also a blow to Voldemort, who wrote the book, um, of making it more gay. Could be gayer. That's like my first note on all the books I edit. Could be a little bit gayer. Cute. Could be gay. <laughs> so finally, my next note is finally Lupin is serious, parentheses, as a couple, and parentheses, <laughs> win over Molly, and Harry gets to learn some stuff. And this is when she sends Jenny to bed, which... I will agree with you. It's a very strong character moment. We were talking about how this is the first book in which Ginny gets any like personality. Yeah. 
it's fun to see her laughing with Tonks and Hermione at dinner and like she's playing with the cat and she's like she really is becoming her own person now rather than just like the annoying little sister who had a crush on Harry. Yeah, she's only 14, but she's like she's like I got to be loud in this house if anyone's going to listen to me, so I'm going to do it and love every second of it. I I'm glad you know, she's actually getting some personality. I feel like when I first read these books, the Ginny and Harry romance kind of came out of nowhere. Um, I was a little blindsided by it on first reading, but, you know, I feel like rereading, they're trying to set it up as, okay, we need to flush out this character more because I think uh, she had an idea of like, all right, so eventually at the end of these books, I'm going to have to have some sort of romantic connection. They're going to have to have a happily ever after. I'll pick uh, Ginny. I'm not sure if she had that idea from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I don't think she had the idea to have them be love interests until she sat down and started writing book six. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's like, well, Ron and Hermione have to get together. And then she's like, oh, that's going to make Harry look like an idiot. We need to give him something. Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't book six where she trialed a Ron death and got so much backlash that she rewrote it? Whoa, I don't know. I've never heard that. I, I feel like in one of the books, she killed Ron and she like shopped it around and they're like, no, you, you can't do this. So maybe he originally Ew. had her Harry with Hermione after Ron's death, but had to rewrite it. I know that she originally was going to have Arthur die in this book. Interesting. Okay. Um, with the attack. That's why you have to make so many Weasleys so you can just kill them. There you it's like, go. shit, I need to stop killing all of the father figures. <laughs> that might have just been a rumor about the Ron's death thing. I, I don't know. She literally, so I'm reading this um, article in The Guardian. I'll link it in the show notes. But she literally is like, Halfway through this series, I got depressed and I wanted to murder one of the trio. Well, there you go. Yikes. Jeez. Yeah. But she says she would never have done it. Out of sheer... Holy cow. Sheer spite? It, it's a yeah, sheer spite. Out of sheer spite. Yeah, <laughs> sheer I think spite. we're looking at the same article. I, that Based on her quote, Damn. that seems harsh. <laughs> Poor Ron. Oh my God. Ron's the most expendable. I hate to say it. I love Ron. Um, we need Hermione and they made Harry. But we here's the thing. We don't need Harry. What if we had Hermione and Ron as an action duo? <laughs> <laughs> Harry's just there as like a just like a prop that they need every now and then because he's the chosen one. Uh, <laughs> love it. So Harry finally gets the opportunity to ask about Voldemort. And they're just talking about it. What's up with Voldemort? Well, there's no suspicious deaths yet, but he's playing it cool. I had a note about that, that, that Harry was checking the Muggle news. And I'm not sure if it's established in the canon how much it would have been covered in Muggle news back when it first happened. Like, was this a unknown event that there was a serial killer going around or what? Yeah, he was looking for, like, weird murder or, like, disaster news in the muggle world. Like, something they couldn't explain. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm wondering if there was a similar technique back when the first um, events were happening. Okay, so they talk about how 
Voldemort's scared because Harry told Dumbledore right away that he was back. Um, so then the Order of the Phoenix is trying to convince people that Voldemort has returned. Please don't join him. We would love if you considered us. If you're going to pick a team, we're going to Consider us an alternative to Voldemort. Yeah. <laughs> it's very stupid and complicated because Fudge, Cornelius Fudge, is afraid that Dumbledore is trying to become the Minister of Magic, which is a line that I'm getting extremely sick of hearing because I don't care about these old men and what they do or say. Um, and they're just fighting about who wants to be in power and who's in power. No, the thing is, is it's not these old men fighting about who it's literally fudge creating this own argument in his head. And Dumbledore is like, I'm just trying to tell you that Voldemort is back. But you do have to admit that Dumbledore has a fuck ton of power. He does. And we, I, I know there's a lot to be said about Dumbledore. Dumbledore, good or bad? Um, I will always, I think I will always want to defend Dumbledore because I find him one of the most interesting characters. Okay, I'm going to schedule you right but. now for the 2025 Dumbledore good or bad <laughs> Um, I'm so sorry I'm going to be out of town then. <laughs> no. I just find him so fascinating because he has all of these gray areas. And some just plain black areas, you know. But in this chapter, we see that he is speaking up against this power and he is actively willing to lose all of his like public accreditation, you know, and recognition, except for the chocolate frog cards. That's the one thing that that he's like, I swear to God, if they take me off the chocolate (laughs) card, the chocolate frog cards, that's the end. But everything else I don't care about. Um, okay, so we're recording yeah, at, Ape, uh, at the beginning of April 2024. <laughs> Great. It comes out April 13th, 2024. Sign up for our Patreon. <laughs> oh, my God. You have, yeah, you have two years to raise, what is it, like $3, $5 for to access that bonus month. content. <laughs> it's, and again, this is the beginnings of just like so many frustrations, frustrations frustrations with fudge in this book of this is literally him convinced and harry's like why are they doing this and the adults explain because the reality of voldemort coming back is something that they are not ready to face and they would much rather create this false reality that dumbledore is coming after his position and that's where fudge wants to live right now and you can't you can't reason with someone living in the face of denial. And I feel like that never hit as hard as after the previous president. <laughs> you know, I feel like, you know, you get more of an understanding yeah. of how people in power can create delusions for themselves after analyzing U.S. politics. <sighs> well, it's also just about, I mean... J.K. Rowling did the same thing, just completely lost touch. You know what I mean? I mean, Joanne, Joanne. you've lost touch, babe. Is that what we're calling her now, Miss Joanne Fabric? Joanne Fabrics. <laughs> Don't you disparage. Bitch. Do not, do not disparage Joanne Fabrics. Absolutely not. She Joanne. is underrated. So we learned that Kingsley Shacklebolt is in charge of the hunt for Sirius Black, which is very funny. What a fucking bro. He's been feeding them false information at the ministry. And it comes up later and it's very cute, I think. 
<laughs> I think it's in the Ministry of Magic episode when Arthur runs into Kingsley at work and they're pretending to be mean to each other, but they're just joking about how wrong the Ministry of Magic is about <laughs> where Sirius is. <laughs> oh, I love it. We learn that Dumbledore has been voted out of the International Confederation of Wizards and they've demoted him from Chief Warlock of the Wiz and Gamut, which probably means something. Um, it would have tremendously helped Harry in the next two chap three or you know, whatever three chapters from now, because mm-hmm. that's the court system. <laughs> yes, right. I was watching that before we recorded and there's they're in the court scene, Fudge is run running it and he says the word wrong. He doesn't say Wiz and Gamut, he says Wiz and Agamon. That's I, why that's in my brain. Oh my god. That's what that's from? Yeah, yeah. Because he, he says he, it wrong? I think he messes it up because even the subtitles say Wiz and Gamut. Whoa. But that's Fudge, so funny. Yeah, Fudge messed it up. Fudge Fudge his line. Oh my god, and that's like a great character choice as well. I was gonna say maybe it's just uh you know, showing how like unfit he is for so many roles. He's so out of touch. Yeah, for sure. So the uncles are like, I've, I've been editing this book series for like a thousand years where all of the older men that I'm not technically related to are my uncles. And, and so the uncles are like, uh, by the blameless by E.S. Christensen, um, the uncles are like, there's a cool dope weapon thing that Voldemort is looking for. And like, don't you want to know about it? Doesn't that sound kind of cool to know about? But Mrs. Weasley is here to say no. Well, actually, they don't. The I don't. I don't think they say weapon. I think Harry says that. And they're like, sure. Okay. Okay. And they're like, yeah, we can't really elaborate on it. You can't dangle that in front of a teenager and not expect more questions. Yeah. Like there's this secret thing he wishes he had before. Uh, We're not going to tell you about it. So, okay. Question for you guys both. When you were first reading Order of the Phoenix, and they mention like, okay, uh, Voldemort is looking for a weapon, something that he didn't have last time and something that is going to be really powerful and useful to him. What were you guys picturing? Because I was picturing like, I don't know, a tank or something. A bigger <laughs> wand. Like a two-foot long <laughs> like a giant. Wand. You mean a staff? That's a staff at that point, my bro. Oh, you just yeah, can't walk up the mountain. <laughs> No, except for you hold it, you still hold the staff like a wand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like an awkward three-quarter length wand where it's not quite a staff, not quite a wand, and you kind of got to double hand it. it. A two-handed staff? Oh, two-handed wand? Wand. Oh, my God. That's just a machine gun. <laughs> I don't think I... I don't remember what I pictured when I read this for the first time. I have no idea. I would have loved a magic tank, though. That would have been absolutely yeah, I was great. Just, no, yeah, not like cool. a magic tank. I was full on a picture, regular. just like <laughs> military war. Roll just up like into Panzer the that he magic. got from the muggles. He's like a little treat from my muggle friend. Yeah. That could have done a lot of damage if he just got his hands on a tank, honestly. Yeah. yeah. They are talking about the prophecy, right? We learned that like at the end of the, the very end of the book. Is it talking about the prophecy or Horcruxes? 
I think it's talking about the prophecy. I don't yeah, think, I think I don't at this think point they it's, know okay. about the Horcruxes yet. Fair enough. I don't, I don't think, think Joanne had invented. Yeah, that. I don't even think she knows about Horcruxes. She, that's two <laughs> books from now. Yeah, one and a half. <laughs> Too much writing. Yeah. Um. What? So my question is. What, if you were Harry's guardian, would you tell him right now about the prophecy or no? I don't know. It's so tricky because they're going off of what Dumbledore is telling them. And at this point, they have no reason to believe that Dumbledore would be. And Dumbledore is also doing what he thinks is best because they're they're just in unknown territory at this point. Mm-hmm. And so they're doing what Dumbledore says, which is. Don't tell Harry more than he needs to know because Dumbledore thinks that Voldemort is going to use their connection to learn information and 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 use Harry somehow. So if they're going if if Dumbledore, if Albus, Wolfric, Percival, Brian, Dumbledore told me, "Don't tell Harry about the prophecy." I don't think I would tell him either. I think I might say there are some things that you can't know because of how close you are to this situation, but know that we are doing it because we protect, we're, we're trying to protect you because we love you rather than them just being like, Shh, don't tell him, don't tell him. Okay. Everyone off to bed and just like leaving yeah. it under an air of secrecy, yep. you know? Okay. You'd give him more context, but not all the context. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's- I would, I would tell him the things that they say up until this point, but there, if there was a specific thing that Dumbledore was like, Hey, don't tell him, you know, this much information. I don't think I would do that. Specifically. Cause the prophecy says like, it heavily implies that Harry would die in this combat. Like both of them will die. And, that's a lot to put on a teenager about to go to school for another season. I don't think I would tell him the prophecy says you're going to die. I don't think the people in this room know necessarily what the prophecy says. I think that Dumbledore knows what the prophecy mm-hmm. says. That makes sense. So I think I probably would tell this kid there's a prophecy about you. And I don't know what it says, but apparently it, it's it's a lot. I also had a note about basically Harry asking about the weapon and he's like, he already has a Vada Kedavra. Like, he just straight up says the spell. I know. Oh my God. Yeah. And it's just like, oh my God, sorry. Right. Mr. Weasley. Weasley. Just like, yeah, Mr. Weasley just like he's down. It's basically him waving a loaded gun around of like yeah. saying it. And he also says he says the Avada Kedavra, yeah. which just, it reminds me of when, like, your parents are, like, the Walmart or something, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, the Nintendo. <laughs> like, like, so I think she should have either written the Killing Curse or Avada Kedavra, but not the Avada Kedavra. <laughs> I think she should have written the Killing Curse, Joanne, because I... Would never if there was a killing curse, why say yeah. it? What if you accidentally <laughs> say it when you're mad? What if something happens, Harry? He's been known to do accidental wandless magic before. Yeah. So why say it? Why why say it out loud? <laughs> that got me thinking. We I don't know if it's ever explained about the how the magic works. If it's like half words, half swish and flick, or like what goes on but if he says those words what kind of power is there in them 
you know? He has to mean it, but like he's so angry in this book that I think he could mean it by accident. Yeah. You know I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Next question, Dan, we'll start with you. Do you like prophecy as a feature of fantasy novels generally? I think I do. I think I do. It gives you kind of a setup of what to expect for, you know, the rest of the book or whatever. And it gives you kind of a framing reference of, um, you know, it's all going to lead up to this. And I feel like prophecy always kind of inherently comes with a that's so raven caveat of, yes, <laughs> yeah, but something's going to be different. What about you, Mary Clay? What do you think about prophecy? I think if they're, I don't know, handled correctly, I think it can be interesting because it adds so many interesting elements of like, okay, are the things that these people are trying to do going to prevent it? Are they not going to prevent it? Like, does knowing about the prophecy change anything? You know, like, I think it adds a lot of really interesting elements, but at the same time, it can also get really repetitive of like, okay, we know this trope. They're going to learn about the prophecy and they're going to try to prevent it. But it kind of like what you were saying, like that that's so raven of it of like, yeah, but you didn't see this other part where like, oh, it's okay. After all of that happened, everyone jumped up and it was a joke or something. I don't know. (laughs) Like the end, like the end of Breaking Dawn part two. No spoilers beyond that, but I I didn't remember that. It was all a joke. (laughs) That was the only Twilight film I think I saw all the way through and in that's very theater. funny it's a good one because there's so much more fighting and so much less talking it very much confused me the whole like oh surprise that wasn't what actually happened i can't remember who i thought it was movie. all a dream yeah. anyway um <laughs> okay have you all read percy jackson no, no i haven't actually interesting yeah percy jackson is big on the the prophecy that's the whole driving plot of of all of the i think rick reardon books i've read is some epic prophecy i would like to read them because you and all the discord people everyone have talked up uh shout out to charlie and ray over on of the eldest gods also i would like to say in my last episode i i verbally assumed that i was like charlie write me a five-star review It, it came up organically in conversation but Charlie already had written me a five-star review and I just made a bad assumption. So I just wanted to say, I love you, Charlie. You're so mean. <laughs> they were like, I, I already Charlie goes and changes the review to a one-star. <laughs> uh, we have like three reviews. How could I not know one of them was Charlie? <laughs> I will review you after I've done this. Everyone, rate and review, like and subscribe. It really helps the show. On the prophecy front, Warning, we almost never do this, but rings of power spoilers ahead. It's also just general Tolkien lore, but they talk about it specifically in rings of power. So watch out. Skip ahead one minute if you do not wish to experience the spoiling. Right now, over on the Rings of Power side, we're kind of dealing with that, where there was one episode opened with a prophecy showing the destruction of Numenor. And because of like what Tolkien has already written, we already know that that's going to happen. So it's really interesting of like, 
it, it's different than like sharing and on it would be different if like Tolkien had never written it and then we didn't know how that was going to end but like we know how it's going to end and so now we're watching it like okay so they know about this prophecy this vision and they're trying to prevent it but we know they're not going to prevent it we know it doesn't work so like oh my god just like it's just like Atlantis I think that's an interesting way to play it of like we know what they are doing is not like we active. It's not a prediction. Like we know what they're doing is not going to work. Yeah. I think prophecy can be fun. I think prophecy is fun for, for example, very specifically Percy Jackson, because the intended audience for that is like, it's like middle, middle grade tone and it's quite fun and silly. So having like a rhyming task list for the book is like a fun, it's like, it makes it easy. You know what I mean? Um, this prophecy is kind of like whatever to me, the Harry Potter one, just to get us back <laughs> on topic. <laughs> everyone's like, you can't join the Order of the Phoenix because you're a kid. Fuck off. Molly Weasley sends everyone to bed and then it's just like bedtime. And you cannot tell me, you cannot tell me there's no evidence against it that Lupin and Sirius aren't sharing aren't a room sharing, because they yeah. are. They are. <laughs> They're sleeping and I hope the master bedroom. There's a lot of people staying in it. this house. Yes. There's no way they're not sharing a room. Oh, my God. I love it so much. This is OK. Well, never mind. Um, I feel like I need to do a whole Wolfstar like bonus episode. While <laughs> yes, this book's going absolutely. On. I want before we like wrap up the chapter. I just want to say that of like Order of the Phoenix. I really enjoy all of the Grimmauld Place chapters because cool. it's like. All of our characters are in the same place, you know? Mm-hmm. We I don't think we've ever had this before, where we have the majority of the Weasleys, we have Lupin, we have Sirius, we have Hermione, because a lot of times, like, when we have the Weasleys, Hermione's not there. Or when the three are together, maybe, like, Fred and George aren't, they're not always there. And then Lupin and Sirius are only together when they're yelling at each other vaguely at the end of Prisoner of Azkaban. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just like it when they're all together and like you can see how they play off of each other. Yeah, it's also good to have an outside of Hogwarts framing device because uh, you know yeah. all the plot happens at Hogwarts for the last three books. You know, summers are you know one or two chapters and then that's it. So it's good to yeah. have more settings, more environment. Yeah, and then in the last book, it's like we're barely even going to Hogwarts, bitch. But I still think they're there for like 200 pages. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's uh, the end of the chapter. That's the end of the episode. Did, right. did you have any other final thoughts about this chapter? Oh, I, I only had one silly note, and that was about rhubarb. And I was wondering if you guys have ever had anything rhubarb. No. Hmm. I've probably, I'm Googling it. I've probably ever had anything it rhubarb. It looks like a, a, a red slash purple celery. Yeah, yeah. I does. don't get it. They make it all the time on the Great British Bake Off. Exactly. So you hear That's it in Bake Off. I, I hear I it in all British kind of it. literature and stuff like that about food. And I want to try it. I've seen it in stores. And my wife every time is like, what are you going to do with that? I'm like, I don't know. I'll find something. Go with a recipe. Go to the store with a recipe is what I tell my husband. We'll go whatever you want if you have a plan for it. <laughs> I also think it might be a... um. Like the concept of like rhubarb pie also might be popular in like traditional southern cooking. Yeah, I think you're mm. right. 
Yeah. Interesting. It's supposed to be kind of like a tart, sour kind of thing. And it just made me want rhubarb. Every time I hear it, I'm like, this is so prolific in other cultures that I want to try this. Dan, we have to get you something made out of rhubarb. You have to make it yourself. You'll, you can do it. Take a recipe to the store. I think I might. I think I might. And report back. <laughs> I will. I will post pictures. Are you all ready to move on to plugs? Am I ready to leave? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is the no, next chapter? Kidding. Hold on. The next chapter is the noble. The next chapter, they're still just chilling. Guys. I know. <laughs> I think the next, I think what you were saying earlier about like, I think all of these chapters like could have been combined or deleted or whatever. I think this chapter was pretty necessary. The next chapter, you get rid of it. You don't need it. Get rid of it. All. But we're having an, a very fun guest on. So it's going to be great. Much like this chapter was the great, even though some people think it's silly, even though last chapter was great, even though it objectively is stupid. Um, we're getting through these chapters together and eventually I swear to you, dear listener, something will happen. I, I know it will. <laughs> we'll go to Hogwarts. <laughs> <laughs> it's a slog. It really is. <laughs> Dan, do you want people to find you on the internet? Uh, I am, uh, in the process currently of erasing myself from the internet. Oh, right. You, so yeah. don't stand. I have deleted Facebook and Instagram because those were huge time sucks and just toxic. Wow, good for you. Thank you. Um, I am only on Twitter these days because I can't give up my Formula One Twitter. Your F1 discourse. Yep, I can't do it. And I've got <laughs> the celebrity followers. I can't give up Twitter. Good uh, for you. You can find me at, at Dan DeShetler on Twitter. Um, it's a hard name to spell. It'll be in the show notes. It will be in the show notes. So you're right about that. What's something you've been watching or reading or listening to recently that you think the listeners of our podcast would enjoy? I recently went through a re-listen of Dungeons and Daddies, the nice. Dungeons and Dragons podcast. And that's very, very good. I mean, obviously, there's it the is angle. very, very good. There's the angle of me being a dad and it's really cool. It's got some inherent kind of dad lessons in there, which is nice, but it's also just silly, fun D&D. Mary Clay, well, you were holding your hand up and I thought you were like raising your hand about I would like <laughs> to go next. And daddies. But you were really just showing off your cool ampersand tattoo. Am I oh, right? no. I well that too, but I was swatting <laughs> fruit flies. <laughs> I love your little tattoo. It's so cute. I'm proud Thank of you. you. Thank you. Where can people find you on the Internet? Um, you can follow me personally on Twitter at MC Watts up and Instagram at MC turned down for what and you can listen to that's what I'm talking about every Tuesday. Right now we're obviously covering uh, rings of power and uh, having episodes come out every Tuesday after you know, the new episode premieres late Thursday night, you know, Friday, wherever your um, time zone is. So yeah, if you're, if you're like wanting to hear you know, more in-depth discussion and listen to theories or get explanations for episodes. Check that out. It's like the first time that I'm like up to date on. Very cool. <laughs> to- very on things that are happening with Lord of the Rings and Tolkien and whatnot. So it's fun to be relevant. <laughs> Good for you. Um, And I'll be on one of those episodes eventually. Yes. Yes. I'm very excited. 
Unless I kick you off for out over five. What? <laughs> we can fight about this later. I have to look at my schedule. It's fine. Um. <laughs> Besides Rings of Power, what have you been watching or reading or listening to lately that you think people would like? It's funny because I'm actually, I was like, for my plugs, obviously, I think the obvious one would be Rings of Power, but I'm not going to do that because. Too obvious. Well, it's obvious, but also I'm like, I'm so at a point where I'm like, don't watch it if you don't want to. Yeah, like, for just sure. fucking get away from me. Like, Which, I. <laughs> that's also what I tell people about the Lord of the Rings books. They're like, should I read them? And 98% of the time I'm like, no, you don't need to read them. You don't need to read them. Yeah. Most people won't feel better for reading them. Yeah, I, I wholly agree with that <laughs> statement. Okay, but things that I am watching. I remember, Christina, when we were starting this season, you told us creators to keep our plugs down. Yeah, have I been doing a good job <laughs> at the one-sentence plugs? Well, I was ready to just go, because it's been a while since I've been on, so I'm just going to do, like, rapid fire. Yes. A book um, is The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slay- Slaying Vampires. Love it. What a title. Um, Some TV... Glow on Netflix. I know I'm very late to the game, but I just watched it and finished it. Amazing. Um, and right now I'm in the middle of a docu-series that is wild called The Sins of Our Mother. That is also on Netflix. I what just is that even about? That this week. What is it? We're, you told us to keep the plugs down. <laughs> well, but now I'm not going to tell. It's a true crime. It's a true crime docu series, and it's docu- called series. "The Sins of Our Mother." Okay, 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 okay. So I think you can figure out that maybe a mother does something sinful. Well, you're right about Use that. Use context clues. Okay, I'm on it. I'm on it. Um, and as uh, as I, I want to say, like, oh, a video game. That's it. Um, in a video game, I just finished a game called Oxen Free. It's a really interesting, like side scroller kind of indie game that has a really cool like supernatural story element to it that's awesome i love that so much i just googled it well i've been your host christina you know where to find me and today i'm gonna plug i don't know breaking bad i've been watching breaking bad lately i don't think i've talked about it on the show before maybe i think you mentioned it once because i meant maybe not on the show because i mentioned also that i watched breaking bad oh really yeah the first time or you're just no it was second time through that's cool. That's funny. I've never watched it before, and I'm watching it now. And it's taking me months and months and months because I watch television truly so slowly because there's always a book to read. But the books I've been reading lately have been a little bit weird, so I'm not going to plug any of them. <laughs> I mean, the one I plugged is very weird, but I it was a like big page turner for me. Nice. So. That's all that really matters. So there's there's no shame in a weird book, you know? No, like weird, like, I don't get it. You know what I mean? Oh, like, I just don't okay, then get mind. it. That's fine. I've also been just, like, editing a lot lately. So my reading has been a lot of books that aren't out yet. <laughs> <laughs> books that are in the process of becoming books. <laughs> yep, I'll tell you about them when we're ready for you. <laughs> well, Dan, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of The Restricted Section. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. Yeah, for sure. And Mary Clay, thank you so much for being my colleague in this endeavor. Yay. And I'm here to report that my recording on my computer is still going without the use of my external hard drive, which means I probably haven't had to be using it for the past two and a half years. (laughs) (laughs) Hooray. I, I am so happy to hear that. That's wonderful news. 
Um, oh, yeah, I forgot. Fuck. Okay, hold on. <laughs> Funny word. Editing. This is what editing is for. No, I always leave it in. I'm like, when I look like an idiot, leave that in. I don't want them to think I'm good at this. <laughs> um, oh, my God. Okay. Before we go, I would like to say a few words. Teradiddle. <laughs> hold on. <laughs> Molly Wobbles. Mo- Molly coddling. Hold on. <laughs> Molly Wobbles. Molly Wobbles is like um Molly and Arthur's secret password. Do you remember in yes. the next book or the next book? Molly coddling is different. Um Flipper T Gibbet. Scroll, scroll, scroll. And Snolly Goster. Oh my god. Thank you so much, everyone. Have a great day. Drink some water. That's it, Potheads. Thanks for listening to the Restricted Section. This podcast is produced and hosted by me, Christina Kahn. Our theme music was produced by Ryan Kahn. Our logo was designed by Michael Hardison. Please connect with us on Twitter at RestrictedPod, on Instagram at RestrictedSectionPod, on Facebook at RestrictedSectionPod, or in our Facebook group, The Restricted Section Detention Crew. Join our Patreon to get access to our Discord server, our bonus episodes, and other cool perks. We're also very happy to be a member of Deus Ex Media, where all you fucking nerds can find all kinds of fandom podcasts to suit your fancy. Coffee. Tea. Honor. Cabbage. Long ago, the four elements lived in harmony. Then, shit went totally cray when the Avatar attacked. Only the Cabbage Man, merchant of fine cruciferous vegetables, could stand against his trolling. But when the world needed some dank veg, he vanished. Ten years have passed, and my partner and I have started a new podcast. My Cabbages! An Avatar podcast. A weekly show about Avatar The Last Airbender. Whether it's Sokka's new line of cologne. Hey! Look at you, sitting there on a seal. Well, now look at back at me. I'm on an on a even bigger seal. Now look away. D&D-related antics. You have to make an acrobatics check for that. And Aang just, like, unzips his pants and whips out his D20s. He's just like, I got this. A randomly breaking into song. <laughs> go bending waterfall. We'll stumble our way through the greatest show ever made, one episode at a time. Rotten cabbages? What kind of slum do you think this is? It's always so refreshing when someone knows what the record button is, because you'd be kind of surprised how many people don't know what the record button is. It's always been the record button. Even back when I had like a cassette tape player, it still had a record button. You just never pushed it. Dave X Media.